Hello listeners, it's Philip here, and as you can tell from the music, it is the Doubles Alley. Uh, we're doing our special, uh, what the heck just happened, uh, coronavirus issue of uh, of the podcast. Um, and I guess one storyline before all this crazy stuff happened is that Federer was uh, canceling his clay court schedule due to knee surgery, which in retrospect turns out to be perfect timing, um, because he's basically not going to miss any tennis. Um, and he had no way of knowing this beforehand, but like just timing worked out. And Peter, uh, I'm just wondering, has timing ever just worked out in your favor, like through nothing you did or could have foreseen but it just happened yeah so i have two examples of this one is very recent so i asked uh, i so tesla recently their stock price just shot up and i have no idea why that's one of the least rational stocks out there and so when it shot up to around a 500 i think it was 513 i I messaged my friends being like, if I had any guts, I would short this. I would short this. And um, we'll check back in three months to see if that was the right decision. Lo and behold, it went back, it went up to, it shot up to 900, and I was looking like an idiot. But because of this coronavirus thing, um, <laughs> like, they're all, like, two weeks from now or three weeks from now is the, is like the three month time. And, Tesla is still a little bit above what I said, what I, um, the 513 number. I think it's at 546. But if the market can tank a little more, then that's called right. The second example is, is um, when I have a friend, I have a close friend who's from Moldova, and he was getting married in Moldova. And... Um, it's very, and I live in, I, I was living in, in Philadelphia, but um, I was able to get the trip paid for because, because by my employer, because I was going to be working in South Africa that summer. So I was able to get a trip through Moldova to South Africa um, to, that uh, my employer paid for. How much did that cost? Uh, somewhere, I think it was around two thousand dollars. <laughs> oh man, you should have gone. Uh, should have gone more upscale. You should have made fewer uh, connecting flights and stuff. Yeah, uh, and I to, to look sketchy. Yeah, for I, I, I had a Turkish layover in the middle. I was able to see Istanbul for six hours, and it was sweet. Yeah. I think I have a more generalistic example of what Federer. Um, accomplished uh i think like the way you might end up dating someone briefly out of your league uh because if somebody's out of your league it'll never be more than like a brief thing before they get bored but for that brief moment of just hallelujah two things have to go your way she has to be new to a city and have just broken up with uh, an ex-boyfriend. Um, and so that, I would say, is uh, similar and just like totally out of your control, but going your way. 
to uh, Federer choosing right now to get knee surgery. Um, but yeah. Uh, what else, what what are some other storylines that um that that were like big in cooking in tennis before everything shut down? So I guess two were Djokovic's undefeated season. Um, I guess less of a headline, but fun to follow was the Jack Sock mini revival. <laughs> um, and Felix Al Yassin, talk about a hot and cold, streaky player. Um, but he was he was sort of uh, leaning into one of his hot streaks. And um, then I think was it was it Acapulco and Dubai that were going on in in parallel? Yeah. And, and uh, basically, Nadal and Djokovic won those two tournaments fairly easily. And um, so, same old, same old in terms of the dominance of the of those two. Yeah, that was only the third time ever where uh, Nadal and Djokovic have won tournaments, different tournaments on the same week. They did it once before in Acapulco, and once before in like Tokyo Shenzhen and the Asia Swing. Um, but yeah. It's like a fun fact that I, I would have guessed that they had done that more, but I guess the biggest tournaments are all the same week and they rarely play less big tournaments. So it has to be sort of an odd week that they'll be playing different tournaments. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Djokovic is sort of in the opposite situation of Federer right now. Like everything was going his way and it just got halted. Um, like, yeah, Djokovic had an undefeated season, and, like, his train just, like, ran into a wall, like, uh, through no, through nothing he did. Um, so I, have, I have two thoughts on that. One is that, albeit very impressive, I'm not going to knock an undefeated season, but he wasn't wrecking people the same way he has in previous seasons when maybe he had an earlier loss. Yeah, he had, he, he faced uh, two match season. balls against Monfils in the Dubai finals. Yeah, and and so... Um, and then, yeah, yeah think, the, the uh, Aussie Open final, it was five sets against team. Yeah, exactly. I think this is sort of an inflated, uh, undefeated start. But at the same time, um, he... He hasn't been beaten. He is really hot right now. And uh, but I, I guess the devil's advocate to this is um, what one of the unique elements of the Australian Open, which is his best tournament, is that or at least his best major tournament, is that it comes right after the off season, right? Yeah. And so maybe Djokovic is like the best at the off season. And so it might be a blessing in disguise for him that there is like a mini off season right before the two biggest majors. Um, I do think though that the thing that is toughest for Djokovic, maybe Federer too, are that um, the most likely, I think, event of them all, at least in the summer, to be canceled is the Olympics. And neither of them has an Olympic gold medal. 
and this would probably be if if that if the if the Olympics get canceled, they will have missed probably their last chance to get a singles Olympics gold medal. Maybe Djokovic will have a chance in twenty twenty four, but um, I think even if even if uh, the French Open and Wimbledon are played, I just doubt that the Olympics will get played because it's in Tokyo. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Djokovic. Uh, so Djokovic is sort sort of affect is like definitely affected, but uh, a lot of other guys are affected too. Um, for example, like Monte Carlo and Barcelona are both canceled um, already, and the rest of the clay court season leading up to the French Open might get canceled too, which would really just like. Uh, take away a lot of Nadal's just, like, padding for, like, his ranking. Like, the reason he never drops below, like, five in the world is that he has this clay court swing where he just gets 4,000 points every year. Um, so that could that could, that could could hit Rafa pretty hard. Um, just this past week, like, uh, team, uh, team was set to, you know, try and defend his uh, Indian Wells title. Uh, he didn't get the chance to, to try, but a thousand points were taken away from him. Uh, just like a lot of points are going to drop that people won't have a chance to defend. Um, and what do you think? Do you think the points should drop or do you think they should stay on uh, stay on the players' like ranking until they get to play that tournament again? Or... Yeah, what's your thought on that? I can see it both ways. Uh, I think it should drop because I think the end-of-year rankings should reflect what happened during the year. Um, And over the course of the season, um, everyone will have the same footing um, or the same sort of scope of tournaments to work with. Uh, I think... Rafa's hurt a lot more than anyone in the situation because of because of what you said about the padding of his stats. And yeah, uh, do you, do you think I haven't done the math, but it's possible that he could drop enough points that he would be below like Medvedev or team in the uh, in the rankings going into Roland Garros. Maybe I, I haven't done the math either. Uh, maybe Medvedev is the biggest winner here. Um, so many of his points were at the end of the season. Um, but there is something to be said for the fact that with team, um, it would have been hard to repeat a victory, and at least nobody else is getting those points. Um, whereas with Rafa, he was going to win at least two of those four tournaments, and and because he always does, at least on the clay. Um, but I don't know. I think there are a lot of other ways that Ralph is the biggest loser here, too. Um, number one of which is that uh, if the French Open isn't played, which he would be the big favorite for, if, um, he'll, he'll be a year older until next time it's played. And um, he'll just have one less opportunity at the French Open for his, his, uh, his legacy Grand Slam total. Yeah, I think this is another way Federer is the big winner because 
imagine a scenario when both uh, Wimbledon and the French Open are canceled. Uh, Federer, like, it will have been missed opportunities for both Djokovic and uh, Nadal to add to their tallies. Um, and yeah, they're just getting older. That said, like, I'm... I think, what do you think, do you, th- how, how likely is it, like, even if the smaller tournaments are all canceled, uh, do you foresee, like, uh, Wimbledon or Roland Garros getting canceled? Like, do you, do you think it, it's possible that they could play those events, like, without fans, um, because they're just such, like, major, major events, or, um, is it just too early to say? I mean, I sure as hell hope so. Um, I think the question becomes, how are they going to pay for them? Um, but I mean... I think TV rights is the main thing. It's like, okay, yeah. you, you sell a lot of tickets, but uh, I think you can... You can break even, probably just based on TV rights, and especially because if... If things are still terrible, uh, or like even worse at that point, um, there'll probably be more people tuning in. Like if the NBA isn't on, like, uh, it might be a way for tennis to, to win more fans. Um, if there's literally nothing else on the schedule, um, but yeah, what they might have to do is not just no fans, but also like a no locker room policy. Like, it's it's exactly like if you and me were to play squash at a squash. I mean, maybe even less than that. Like you you show up to the court with your racket and your bag. You play and then you go home. Like yeah, yeah. Locker, no, no, no media. No, like interviews afterwards and stuff. The locker room is such. There are so many people. Yeah, and they're all from all over. Um, yeah, there's so many people in that locker room who are from all over the world, and it's not just the players; it's the media, it's the coaches, it's everybody. Yeah, um, I hope they find a way of at least playing those two events. Unless, like, okay, what if we hear that, like, <laughs> Matteo Berrettini tested positive? You know, I mean, I'm just picking him because he's Italian. But I mean, he's probably not in Italy. Like, most of these guys live in Monaco. Um, But yeah, like, what if, like, a top 10 player tests positive? Like, a lot changed in the NBA when Rudy Gobert tested positive. Um, And I mean, also, it's just like the phrase tested positive, it sounds like you tested positive for AIDS. Whereas, like, these guys are, like, not really in the at at risk demographic. Um. Yeah, I think. Um, what was I gonna say? The uh, another way to do this would just not be to have it in Paris. Have be have it in some location that is clean. Um, maybe some rural location, like rural Alaska, or not. I, maybe that might be too cold, but some something like whatever. Maybe like the Brazilian version of like um, rural Iowa. Have it be in the rainforest um, <laughs> on clay, and uh, just have this be the uh, the rainforest year. 
Ivory Coast because there's French there. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is absolutely no way uh, the French Federation would allow that to happen. But in theory, it could be a, an option. Um, and that's my that's my that's what I want to have happen for the NBA. Um, like, there's got to be a solution, right? Like, have there be have it only be the players and coaches, like nobody else, still sell the TV rights, and ha- and have it have people in like rural Alaska. Yeah, go to one of those like Survivor oh. islands and like. Papua yeah. New Guinea. <laughs> and, just, and just like get a little crazy with this. Get a little wild. Have this be a year you remember. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I don't foresee any of that happening, but I I'm totally for it. Um Maybe even have outdoor basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just so much liability involved. Like Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and then I guess going into it, you mentioned a few things like uh, Felix Ojeeliasim. He had been to two straight finals. He's, uh, he's. I think he's been in four finals now in his career, and he still hasn't won a tournament. So he's, he's really knocking on the door. Um, LeBron James would be called not clutch by now, but uh, we we know better. Um, Felix is just biding his time. And then Jack Sock, uh, he almost won the Indian Wells Challenger event, uh, lost in the final to Steve Johnson. On the way, he won, I think, four matches, which is more than he's won in two years um, prior to that. He got really good breaks in the draw. Just to... The Ugo Umbert win was a good one, though. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, all, all the other wins were against... Real nobodies, and in three in three sets, I think at least one was overtime in the third. There's so this, one of, the semifinal was against an American eighteen year old Brandon Nakashima, who's actually like a good prospect. Um, yeah, so let's hope he becomes something good. Though if he lost a sock, it's unlikely. Um, but uh, still, like four matches is more than he had all last year. Um, maybe all last two years. Maybe. Yeah. So it's good to see him. It's good to see him um, reviving his career. Dude, one one thing that this can be seen as is like an actual off season. Like a lot of these guys, like the off season in tennis is such a joke. It's like one month. Uh. Or in a lot of these guys are just like playing exhibitions. Like Federer was in, actually no, that was after the Australian Open that they went to South Africa. But, but uh, this is the time where they like have no choice but to be at home. They're probably training hard. I'm actually sort of excited to see like the quality of tennis. There will probably be fewer injured players. Like Nishikori will have time to heal. Like. Uh, it might actually, yeah, the quality of tennis might actually be pretty high um, coming out of this. Yeah, I agree. I think like that it'll be very interesting to see these guys. Like, yeah, these guys could actually be legitimately fresh for once. 
Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah. How are you going to fill your tennis cravings? Um, are you allowed to go to the tennis courts in Boston right now or is it closed? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, uh, messing with the gym or any place with crowds. I have a uh, exercise bike in my basement and I'm using that every day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, so are you going to be doing YouTube, uh, searches of like, greatest Wimbledon matches and stuff like that? Probably. I mean, I'll probably just get on my YouTube benders and just go down those radicals. What about you? Yeah, I think that might be, like, a a good way of doing it. Like, uh, really, yeah, one thing you could do is just look up, okay, the 10 greatest matches of the past, like, 30 years or something and um, relive those moments. Um, There aren't that many great tennis movies. Uh, Wimbledon, that movie was like kind of terrible. The Borg McEnroe one was actually pretty good. Um, Match Point, it doesn't have much tennis in it, but it has like a little bit and it's... uh, it's a good movie. Um, but yeah, that's sort of a uh, a weak point in like just cinema and entertainment. Just like lack of tennis um, translating to like screens or uh, books. Like uh, I guess David Foster Wallace's um, Infinite Just, the main character is a big tennis guy, but... It's not really about tennis. Yeah, it's always like a periphery character. The way I think tennis could actually work in translating would be if there's some sort of like high-rolling party side to it. Like now you're in Rio, now you're in Acapulco, now you're in Monte Carlo, now you're in... And there's like the casinos, the clubs, the girls, the cars. Um... Yeah. Just the flat. Yeah, it could be like a Fast and Furious version of like the ATP tour. Yeah. And have like Like have Curios be the main character. Yeah, somebody playing Curios. Yeah, who would play Curios? Um based on Nick Curios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually that probably that would be a great like yeah, that would be that would be an awesome movie. Like the Ballers version, the the Ballers tennis edition. Yeah, I think one um, thing that holds tennis movies back is that there are just very few actors who are good enough, like have good enough technique and like form for like the actual tennis scenes to feel real or like high that level. Like, Nick Kyrgios might actually have to be the lead. His yeah. acting probably sucks. Yeah, and also, like, okay, Kyrgios is probably young. Like, he's young enough to play himself right now, but um, I think even Nick Kyrgios would not take time off of, like... Actually, he probably <laughs> would. He would probably take time off of, like, 
the tour to play himself in a movie about the tour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would make more money too. Yeah. Um, he'd get further in the tournaments in the movie, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, any other like tennis uh, tennis <laughs> book idea? Um, Mark had one that I'm not ruining, but yeah, the thing is we know, we know so much about like the top guys already. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll think more about this and come up with, uh, different plot lines to throw your way, uh, on the next podcast. Um, but anyway, um, I think this has been a short pod, but we've gotten through what we've needed to get through. Um, yeah, not much happens between the Australian Open and Indian Wells, and and we're not going to get um, the meaty portion of the season between Indian Wells and Roland Garros. Um, so, like all of you tennis fans listening to this, uh, Peter and I are sort of at a loss. Uh, it's kind of sad that we're not going to get um, the 2020 spring, but um, it's also understandable. Um, it's important. It's more important to be safe and to uh, than to uh, have your tennis matches on live every time and. It, you know, we might appreciate it more after it's all said and done. Um, so anyway, to the millions and millions of you, if you've gotten this far, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Doubles Alley Pod um, and give us a five-star review. Um, and without further ado, La Bomba.